Amen. Well, I, I will have to admit, sometimes I do miss the snow. I do sometimes miss the snow. I, I kind of have, a, I think, a cold gene that floats around in my body that uh, can only be, uh, I don't know, met in the cold. Amen. Now, I love the weather of, that God gives us. I believe that we can find good everywhere we go. Amen. I want to minister to you today a message that God has began to speak to my heart last, about last Monday. And uh, I've given you an outline. That I'm going to primarily look at that at the end of the message today. But uh, all of you that are here today, I want to just thank you for being with us. Everybody joining us online, thank you for being with us whenever you're watching or whenever you're listening. Thank you. Um, but I want you to hear what God thinks about you. You know, we're told a lot by the world, by the enemy, what we're not. How many of you are very aware of what you're not? You know, we probably don't need to be told that a lot every single day. And in 2024, uh, this message, I originally was going to title it, Never Underestimate Yourself. But the Lord kind of tweaked that, I believe, because that was my title throughout the week as I was preparing it. But today, uh, I kind of switched as I came into church and began to quiet myself, and I changed the title of this to Never Underestimate What God Values, because God values you. How many of you think it would be unwise to say that has no value if God says that's priceless? You see, God values you. He treasures you. And I want you to see this in Scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, and we're going to have these Scriptures up here be to, to my left on the screen. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and he gives us the reason, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. Now, the New International Version says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So, you see, we all are like fragile jars of clay containing this great treasure. An earthen vessel with heavenly treasure. Say, I'm an earthen vessel with heavenly treasure. Now, in this passage, Paul uses some key words in this text. First, he says, but we have. Now, in the Greek, the, the word there, but we have, is the word echomane. And it can be translated, we hold, we possess. And it's in agreement with the phrase, earthen vessels, which is the Greek word, ostrakinos. And it describes, hear this, this is the kind of earthen vessel that is small, cheap, easily broken pottery. How many know there are some 
earthen vessels of pottery that are strong. That's not the kind he's talking about here. Small, cheap, easily broken pottery, jars of clay. And that particular kind of pottery in the day in which Paul is writing this was considered to be weak and fragile and easily replaced. Now, how many have ever, be honest with me, have ever felt small, cheap, and easily broken? We all do at some point. And we all do at some point because the devil makes sure of it. The enemy of our soul wants us to live under that. However, by using the word that Paul uses, echomain, in, in connection with the Greek word ostrakinos, Paul is making a very strong statement regarding our real spiritual condition. He says that we hold, we possess some kind of treasure in vessels that are small, cheap, easily broken, and replaceable. This is how he described our physical bodies. And he was right. And the Bible says you are the temple of the greatest treasure ever, the Holy Spirit. You see, Our human body is fragile, and all we have to do is have a wrong diet, and it can kill it. Amen? Working too hard can break it. Too much pressure can damage it. Too much stress can make it ill. And even after caring for this body all of your life, it still dies. Are you with me? The greatest minds, the most creative inventors, the highest intellect, the most colorful writers, and the most dynamic politicians are all subject to physical death. Eventually, the human body breaks under the stress of age, and the vessel that carried such an incredible treasure and potential is reduced to unrecognizable dust, earth to earth ashes to ashes, dust to dust, totally valueless. Some human vessels break earlier, and some last longer, but eventually all break, and they all collapse, and they all return to dust. But here's the amazing part. We earthen vessels contain something, Paul, called a treasure. Everybody say treasure. It's the Greek word thesaurus. It describes a treasure that is so rich and so immense that it could never be expended. You can't, you can't use it up. That would be a treasure hunter's greatest dream. And this, my friend, refers to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I must go, because if I don't go, I can't send the Comforter to you. I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. You know, a lot of times I know 
I know the heart and I know the meaning of this when people say that Jesus is in my heart. But, you know, technically, theologically, it isn't Jesus in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit in your heart. Yes, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Jesus is the Lord. He's your Savior. But it is Holy Spirit that He put inside of you. That's what makes us born again. See, we all have spirit as we breathe. That was the breath of life that God breathed into Adam on the day He created us. As He drew in the ground out of the dust. Why do we go back to dust? Because that's what we were made out of. And God blew into that dust the breath of life, and that dust became a living soul. That's being born once. But how many of you know that when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, how do I get eternal life? Jesus said, you can't get it unless you're born again. And Nicodemus was like a teacher. of I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the Sanhedrin. He's up there. He's teaching all the Jews, and he's like, I don't get it. How, how, how can I get born again? He said, well, the spirit and body is one thing, but the spirit and soul is another. And you've got to be born again in spirit. And whoever's born again, the Bible says you only die once. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But if you read in the book of Revelation, you'll find that anybody who has not been born again is going to also be resurrected before the great white throne judgment. They're going to be taken out of the underworld of Hades and brought before the great white throne. And then the Bible says their names are not found written in the book of life, and those are cast into the lake of fire or Gehenna, eternal death, and they die twice. This is called, he said, the second death. So if you're only born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. Are you with me or is that clear as mud? You're with me. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is the treasure that's been deposited inside of us. And church, this is such an important truth. May we... may. You know, we may have been filled with the Spirit of God, but we are still very simple, frail human vessels. The Ancient of Days, God, in His wisdom, defies human logic. He's chosen to house His Spirit, the greatest treasure, in the hearts of mere humans. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is revealing the reason for such a decision. God has chosen to house the treasure in earthen vessels to show that the excellency of the power is not from man, but it belongs to God and not to us. And, you know, often we study this passage. Often I've heard this passage taught and, and uh, preached, and we place the focus on the treasure. And we, we, we need to understand that treasure. But I want you to focus today on the wonderful, not just the wonderful gift that God has given us, but also the wonderful treasure that God put it into because He values you. This vessel, you, me, is just a simple container of clay. It is in all truthfulness a weak vessel. It's subject to trials and troubles. Jesus said, count on it, you're going to have them. 
In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. It's burdened with problems. It's burdened with, with, with troubles, with imperfections. It is a frail jar of clay, easily broken. But church, He controls the trials. He said, be of good cheer, I've overcome all of that. The devil throws a storm at you, but he walks on storms still. He masters them, and he provides the grace to overcome the imperfections, and all of us have them. Look at your neighbor and say, you got them. I've got them. And from natural appearances, we, we do. We look weak and fragile, and sometimes we feel valueless. Someone within the sound of my voice today, you feel valueless. How many of you remember that Visa commercial where they are doing in some activity, and you know, maybe it's a ball game with a child, and it's like you know, uh, a Coke, five bucks. Hallelujah. You know, popcorn, 25 Tickets for the game, 150 But the experience, priceless. And that's what God does with us. He's like, man, just to be with you is priceless. I want you to understand something. When God made you, he broke the mold. There is not another human in this earth ever before or will be ever after just like you. In fact, I heard one pastor say this. He said, God, when he made the mold and he made you, he stepped back and took one look at you and said, I'm never going to do that again. In a good way. In a good way. I want to ask you this. If you were God and you possessed a treasure that was infinitely priceless, would you place it in something as unreliable as we are. That's precisely what he does. This is part of the miracle of our salvation. What we see with our eyes is this outer casing of weak humanity. But contained in that fleshly, carnal, short-lived body is the very power that created the universe and raised Jesus from the dead. God is glorified. Hear this in weak vessels. He cannot be glorified otherwise. Paul said on a different occasion, when I am weak, that's when he's strong. When in spite of my weakness, this frail human vessel shines forth with the incredible power of God that surpasses human understanding, all of the glory belongs to God. That is why he chose these human vessels to become the ambassadors of heaven. Church, if you'd have known me when I was 8 and 9 and 10 years old, you would have thought, there's no way this little guy can be a preacher. I'd turn 15 shades of red just if you asked me my name. David, red begin. I remember speech class, getting up in speech class and, and just shaking. Do you know that there is, in many people, they, they, they fear death. That is a big one. But you know, that's not the number one. That's like number two. The greatest fear that humans have is getting up and speaking in front of people. 
it trumps the fear of death. And it's only because of God that I can do what I do. It's not me. And everybody would say, amen. Some of you didn't say it strong enough. Amen. Anything that is good that comes from these jars of clay can only be attributed to God. God's glorified in these feeble earthen vessels. This is a wonderful revelation, but I want to say this. We would all do well to remember that the implication of this understanding is that God will most assuredly allow this fleshly vessel to be assaulted by the cares of this life. He's not going to protect you from them. He will protect you in them. I've given you this illustration. Let me do it again. About the storm that the painters were asked, or the peace, peaceful painting that the painters were asked to paint. And the one painter paints this beautiful farmyard scene with the barn and the picket fence and the white fence and the pond and the ducks and, and everything just looks beautiful and wonderful and boy's like, ah, that's peaceful. And the next guy writes, he draws a, a, a real dark, stormy scene with crashing waves and big rocks and high cleft of a mountain. But right up, one of the first thing your eyes catches is the nest and the bird sheltered up underneath the cleft of the rock where the storm isn't touching them. That's life. When the storms are all around you, it's, we want the farmyard scene, right? But that's not what we get. We get the storms. We get the battles. And God says, when you're weak, I'm strong. Paul launches from that verse in verse 7 to a very much celebrated verse in verse 8. And this is often quoted and acknowledges what Jesus said we would go through. Look at this. We are troubled on every side. How many of you would say amen? But here's the good thing about God's Word. He always puts a positive in there. But we're not distressed. We are perplexed. Anybody perplexed? But not in despair. Persecuted. Anybody persecuted? Not forsaken. Cast down. What? Not destroyed. That's the nature of this this earthen vessel. It endures much hardship and many trials. And it was Job that says this, that man's days are short and full of trouble. Amen, Job. And the inescapable fact is we're all going to be troubled. We will be perplexed. We will be persecuted. We will be cast down. This flesh is always going to have its struggles. The jar of clay is always going to be subjected to the pressures of day-to-day living. This earthen vessel will always be assaulted by the storms of life. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Just because we're troubled doesn't mean we have to be distressed. Just because we're perplexed doesn't mean we have to be in despair. Just because we're persecuted doesn't mean we are forsaken. And just because we're cast down doesn't mean we have to be destroyed. No, as a matter of fact, the opposite is true. We can be afflicted in every way, but not crushed, just like Jesus. We can be confounded, but not driven to depression. We can be mistreated, but not abandoned. We can even get struck down. 
but not be killed. We can endure life's passing afflictions with demonstrating the grace of God because this treasure is housed in our earthen vessels, and that treasure that shines through our weakness is also the power that sustains us and keeps us through every single one of those trials and every storm. This is the crux of the matter. The vessel may be frail, but the treasure isn't. The vessel may be subject to the pressures of this life, but the treasure is not. The vessel may be beaten down and driven to its knees, but the treasure rises above the occasion. This is what I want you to grasp today. One of the messages I preached during Christmas was the greatest Christmas gift ever. What was that gift? Do you remember? It was Jesus. The very first Christmas gift ever given was God's Son. He gave up his right to stay in heaven as the second person of the Godhead. Philippians chapter 2 said, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to, but he emptied himself. And he became a man. He became like you and me. When he was in the carpenter shop and he hit his thumb, it hurt. Make no mistake. The nails that went into his hands and his feet drew blood. The crown of thorns drew blood. The cat of nine tails that whipped him on his back 39 times drew blood. He was in pain. God will preserve the vessel. God will strengthen it. God will anoint it. How many of you have ever heard of the lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata? You heard of her? Well, Johnny, I remember when her f- story first came out. She lived a very active life throughout her growing up years, and she, she enjoyed riding horses. She liked to hike. She liked playing tennis, and she really loved to swim. But on July the 30th of 1967, when she was 17 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay, and she misjudged the shallowness of the water. And she became, as she hit her head, a quadriplegic, fracturing her fourth, between her fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae, and she was paralyzed from that day forward from the shoulders down. And she is even today wheelchair-bound. And during her two years of rehabilitation, according to her autobiography titled Johnny, she experienced anger and depression, suicidal thoughts, 
and religious doubts. However, during her occupational therapy, she learned to paint with the brush between her teeth. She also learned how to write that way. And she began to sell her artwork. Today, she has written over 40 books. She has recorded several music albums. She has starred in an autobiographical movie of her life. And she is currently probably one of the best advocates for those with disabilities. She's won over 20 Christian awards, and she holds six honorary doctorate degrees given to her by various institution colleges. She has overcome cancer twice, one of which was stage three breast cancer and has a website called johnnyandfriends.org. Never underestimate what God can do, even if your jar of clay is wounded. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all we ask or think. If you can think it, he can top it. If you can dream it, he can fulfill it. In fact, we can't dream high enough. Our dreams are usually too small. Amen? I say, God, increase our vision. God did not bring us to this earth to take us to insignificant places and do insignificant things. He's going to use you. He values you. And I'm going to close this by asking this, who are you? Who do you think you are? Who do you say you're? you are? Who do you believe yourself to be? I'm going to also ask you a very important question. You need to answer this year. Do you value you? Do you value you? Tired of the devil telling God's people who they aren't without God's ministers telling you who you are. God loves you. He created you. I told you this. You're an original. Don't, don't die a copy. Be who God called you to be. So this is where your outline comes in to play. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you all of this. And if you carry a Bible with you, I just encourage you to keep this in it this year. And I've titled this, Who God Says You Are. These are, these are just a few, and I found this actually, I didn't come, with this, come up with this on my own. I actually found this as I was studying. But I loved it, and so I'm bringing it to you. Watch this. You say I am unlovable, but God says you are forever loved. Romans 8, 38 through 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, that's the devil, nor things present, nor things to come, that's the present and the future, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves you. You're not unlovable. Say it, I'm not unlovable. Number two, you say I'm scarred, but God says you're healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. Isaiah 53, 5. Everybody say, I'm healed. You say, I am weak, but God says he makes you strong. Psalm 18, 32, God arms me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. Say, I am strong. You recognize you are a sinner, but God says you're forgiven. 1 John 2, 12, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Would you say, I'm forgiven? You say, I am abandoned, but God says you're adopted. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Say, I'm a part of God's family. Someone may say, I'm broken, but God says, I make you whole. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Say, I am whole. You say, I'm rejected, but God says, he calls you by name. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Say this, God knows my name. You say, I'm alone, but God says he is always with you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Say, he's with me. You say, I am hopeless, but God says, because of him, you have hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Say, I have hope. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us to say all those things? Because you need to hear yourself say it. The devil needs to hear you say it. You say, I have no purpose. But God says he created you with purpose. In Esther, he says, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Say, I have purpose. You say, I have failed, but God says you're victorious in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, I am victorious. In fact, you're more, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. Let me explain again what more than a conqueror is. There is a boxer who goes out, he fights the battle, he goes into the ring, he beats up the other guy, he gets a million-dollar check, he comes home, And he goes, baby, I won. And she goes, thank you, honey. And she goes and deposits it into the bank. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. She didn't have to fight the battle, but she gets the benefits. All the lady said, where was I at? Victorious. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. Number 12, you say you're lost, but God says he gives you direction. I love this. I love Isaiah. Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And do you know where we get that? Do you know where we get? Do you know how we tune that internal radio to the Holy Spirit? It's a lot I talked about last week. You get in your prayer closet. You get in God's word. Every day, 
and you do. That's what Jesus did. And really what Jesus did is he went from one place of prayer to another place of prayer, and in between he's working miracles. But every time he's in prayer, once he's done, he's like, I only do what I see the Father do. Well, how did he see it? In prayer. Number 13, you say you're worried, anxious, and afraid, but God says with him you are filled with peace. Everybody say this. I don't think I had you do this. Say, I'm victorious. Say, he gives me direction. Say, I'm filled with peace. Now, these are the words of the Lord. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Everybody say this. Heart, stop being fearful. Let not your heart be troubled. You say you're unhappy, but God says you're filled with his joy. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Everybody say filled with joy. Not just having joy, but filled with it. He says your joy may be full. Okay, I want that joy full in you. How many of you think a joyful Christian is good? How many of you believe that an unhappy Christian is an oxymoron? Amen. You say, I'm afraid, but God says, you're powerful, loved, and have a sound mind. Say, I have power and love and a sound mind. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You say, I'm nothing special. God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Say that. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, David says, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And the last one is, you say you are worthless, but God says, Jesus died because you are worth it. Say, I'm worth it. You are worth it. God so loved the world, you can quote this with me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So here's the point as I close. After recreating us in Christ Jesus, after turning our previously dead spirits into temples so marvelous that God himself is willing to live in them. That should blow our mind. After placing that greatest treasure he has in our hearts, do you think the Holy Spirit is going to walk off and leave that investment for the enemy to plunder? The emphatic answer to that question is obvious. No. Never. So never ever underestimate yourself. Never underestimate who you are in Christ. And never underestimate what God can do in your life based on your old life, based on your past experience, based on your current experiences. Sometimes we just put way too much stock in what we're going through. But just remember this, you're going to go through it. And you know what? Let me just say this. You are, you, are not, you are not who you say you are. You're not who someone else says you are. You're really who God says you are. And I just believe that in this day and hour, in this year of 2024, we need to get reminded again. Those are just 17 little reminders. Those are just some, a sampling of who God says we are. 
You know, there's a fear not in the Bible for every day of the year. Fear not. I am with you. So don't be afraid of what the devil has up his sleeve because what God has in his storehouses of heaven blows it away. He said he will open up the windows of heaven and give you a blessing until you you just simply can't. God just keeps blessing you to the point where you're like, man, I can't handle it anymore. You know, I've noticed that when God, I've been in many services where God has moved in his spirit and people are just, they're just falling out under the power of God. This happened to John Wesley. You know, the Methodist John Wesley, not necessarily known for the moving of the Holy Spirit and all, but there were times where he would be preaching and the Holy Spirit would come on people and they would just fall out. And people would come up to him and say, John, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. True story. He said, let's just, let's just watch. And so they would hang out and watch, just watch people laying on the floor, hang out for 30 minutes. And God was doing some amazing things in these people. And you say, well, why, Pastor, why were people, why were they falling out? Because they couldn't stand up. God poured out his manifest presence from heaven. You say, is that biblical? It happened when they dedicated the temple. The priests could not even, the Bible said they couldn't stand to minister because God came in the house. You say, that sounds a little mystical and magical. God blows that out of the water. Harry Potter doesn't have anything on God. Amen? People are mesmerized by that stuff. If you don't believe it, find out how many people follow that. God can top it. Jesus, you couldn't take him to funerals because he'd mess them up. He'd, he'd just, he'd go, uh, he's not dead anymore, guys. Remember the mama that's taking the, her baby to, to the grave? And Jesus comes along and he just touches the casket. And all of a sudden, he, he's, he's alive. And they're like, uh, hey, guys, let's go to McDonald's. I mean, he's not, he's, you know, we're going to, we don't need, let's, let's go eat a fish sandwich somewhere. He's alive. Let's celebrate. Well, I better quit. Did you get anything out of this? Never underestimate what God values. Say this with me. He values me. Look at your neighbor and say he values you. Love y'all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. God bless.